We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K and K. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K and K. I can't even talk today. Today, it's my turn to torture Mitch and Crystal. And today, we're going to learn about apartment financing, multifamily financing 101. We're so excited. Woohoo! <laughs> so. You know, it's funny is like why we're doing these podcasts, if you people really want to know, is because everybody thinks because you're in your industry and you think you know everything, maybe you do, but 98% of people outside, they really don't know anything. And so us breaking down stuff simply has really been helpful because when we want to learn about stuff, what do we do? We Google it. No, but we listen to YouTube, but we listen to this simple, dumbed down things, whether it's marketing or Anything, account like anything. You the simpler, the easier. That's that's how you learn. Mitch, no. Yeah. Mitch is just looking yeah. at me like, what the hell are you talking about? He's waiting for a question, man. <laughs> so I you're, got my little. You're taking control. Here. You're you're interviewing. So so, how long have you guys been doing apartment financing? About sixteen years now, since I was nineteen. So. So you've done about a billion yeah. dollars worth. So you've done a few loans. Just a couple. Okay, so basically. I'm going to play Mr. Consumer today, and you guys are going to play the lenders. And I'm going to. we play every day. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's good. Pretty, yeah. pretty good at that, at that role. So, I mean, this could go for refinance or purchase, right? What we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, it's all pretty similar. Okay. So I we mean, can. We'll break down if there's some sort of a difference. So you can break it down for us. For sure. Break it down for the audience. That's right. Break it down, baby. Okay, so when should an owner buyer contract a broker? It should be contact a broker. So contact whoever. Who wrote this script? <laughs> Rose, get in here. When should you contact a, a broker? I think we we're just talking about like if you're looking at, you know, buying a building or something like that. When would it be smart to contact a broker, as in like a mortgage broker or a lender? Um, I. You really should contact your lender um, or a broker at the beginning. Contact like, a broker. Whenever you're like looking for an apartment building, you should call them because it, it's different than residential. So if this is your first apartment purchase, you can't just go into it with this idea that if I look at a building and there's a building for sale, I want to buy at a million dollars, I'm just going to go get a $750,000 loan or I'm going to put 25% down or whatever the case may be you can't do that we qualify based on cash flow so you want to contact your lender up front so that way if you're interested in purchasing a property you know that you have enough money to put down and that you can get a loan so just to make this clear if i'm a doctor and i make a million dollars a year and i would buy a one to four unit property and i can qualify based on my income nobody cares if you make a million dollars a year or you make a hundred million dollars a year you guys lend off of what the property cash flows. We, yes, we basically qualify the property 
for the loan. It has to be able to service the debt and we have certain lending parameters around that and how we qualify. So you wanna make sure that you can get the loan amount and really the fact that you make a million dollars a year or $20 million a year really makes no difference because we're looking at the property to support the debt. We look at your global cash flow kind of secondary to the property. Okay. So um, when somebody contact, so basically, if nobody's ever got a commercial loan, Mitchell, and let's say they've gotten a residential loan, and they're going to contact you, I mean, for residential, we've got bank statements, tax returns, all this stuff. Are you going to ask for all that? Or what exactly are you going to kind of like ask for? Just like, is it going to be this whole long list of shit? Or is it going to just be basic? Or Well, eventually, we'll have a long list of stuff. But, you know, right off the bat, we're going to be looking at the property information. So we're going to want to see the rent roll. And what if they don't have a property? What should they do? If they don't have a property, then, um, you know, let us know what property they're looking at. And we can usually pull some information or some market, you know, market information. So if they don't have one they're the looking area. at, you should say, look, let's, you could say, how much money do you have, right? You could say you have $500,000. So you're not going to be looking at a $5 million building. So you could say, hey, look, for example, you have 500000 This is a property. You could say you could give somebody a property, right? Yeah, like we, broker, we, can, we can give them can a property. The we could say, hey, this is you know how much they have to put down. This is okay. you know, what and, – and depending on that, the, it could be a five-unit property. It could be a 10-unit property. It could be 20 units. It kind of depends on where you know where they're looking. Um, so it's minimum 20 to 25% down. Probably um, the more like – But the farther west you go, like the less so, likely so guys, it is that you're going to get. West means closer to the beach. So if you're going to buy a property – we're in San Diego in Pacific right. Beach, and you're going to buy a five-unit, or you're going to buy a five-unit in you know, Vista, the beach you could be putting down – Fifty to seventy percent. And Vista, you can still Vista, put down yeah, 30, maybe 35 put thirty, thirty-five. So, but that's what we're saying. There, so. there is a difference. Yeah. So, yeah. so once again, qualifying because this is a big, big thing. Just because you make a gazillion dollars a year does not mean you can just walk in get a commercial loan based because you have all this money. It helps because it makes you look good, but they're going to go off the property. And also, like what I was saying, is farther towards the coast because I'm sure this is the case um, on the east coast as well. I mean, the far the closer you get to the coast, the more money you have to put down. So if you're in the Midwest somewhere, maybe you can get 80% loan to value. Even You know, a lot of lenders will go 75 to 80% LTV, but we're just not really seeing it that much here in Southern California. Once in a while, you see some like fluke situation where somebody gets 75% and that's usually in some of these more, what we call transitional neighborhoods, you know, where it's like maybe a rougher neighborhood and therefore you can get maybe a higher LTV, but Generally, we're seeing what like thirty, thirty-five, maybe thirty-four yeah, percent down. A good kind of rule of thumb is the lower the cap rate, the more the down payment. Exactly. Um, so if you're looking at something that's at like a six cap or higher, you you could probably get close to putting you know the minimum down twenty-five. That's a good little rule of thumb. Yeah. Okay. But if you're like a four cap, and a four cap, you're probably putting thirty-five, forty percent down. Okay. That's not saying you can't you know. And if you're like a, if you're cap, like a, but if you're, if you're going like, into it, that's that's kind of a good. And if you're going like three to three and a half, like beach time, you're definitely you're, yeah, you're you're, you're, you're putting there. forty fifty percent down. Okay, cool. Okay, so I think what would be cool today is talking about for somebody that let's say we have clients that come to us all the time that have been buying residential or they came into money or somebody said you should buy multifamily, right? So you guys get a call. They could have talked to a broker. Or not talk to brokers. They're like, hey, I heard the first person I got to talk to you, just like when you're going to buy a house, is a lender. So they call you up. So let's kind of walk through 
like I like to work, like we put down here. I want to walk through the process and stuff like that. So like the first thing is is whatever Mitch Crystal answer. What is the initial conversation going to be like? I'm I'm Joe Blow. I've got a million dollars. I've never owned apartments, right? I make good money. I have good credit. I have I have one house. I saved up money, and now I'm like I want to start buying apartment buildings. And I call you. How's that conversation going to go? Well, usually that is educating them on the differences between what they're used to with residential and what an apartment loan looks like. There's a lot of differences, and um, not to plug us here, but we have a YouTube channel that we kind of break down some of these things. Um, so, for Good example, <laughs> like what's the difference between multifamily and residential financing? So you kind of can figure it out. But so we would kind of go through that conversation, for example, that – you know, you don't get a 30-year fixed on a multifamily loan. So just be prepared that you're looking at five, seven, and 10-year fixed. You're looking at getting a prepay more than likely. You're um, looking at having to get your cash flow to qualify for the loan amount. It's not just a cut and dry 75% LTV or 80% LTV. So once you kind of get them past that idea, you're usually also too walking them through. I mean, I definitely believe in educating people. So you want them to kind of start to, to think about the process. How do we qualify? So then we'll kind of talk to them about how you break down qualifying that, you know, we use a minimum um, or usually it's a 5% vacancy factor where even if you're going to self-manage, we're going to have to use whatever the management fee is that's typical for that size of property for qualifying. We're going to need to add replacement reserves into the expenses for, you know, capital improvement items or like things that might come up. Um, so all those things are going to count into your debt coverage. Okay. Um, and then we educate them on what is debt coverage. Most people don't even know what that is. <clears throat> Um, so that's kind of like the initial conversation. Um, and Mitch, would there be anything um, I kind of wrote down here from the that conversation through the process? Obviously, you have a conversation, but is there something where they're like, okay, great. So I've got this property I like, right? I got a million bucks. I like this property. It's two and a half million dollars. If they say, hey, Mitch, can you tell me if I can qualify that initial process? Because that's what I'm assuming what it is. What what is detail like? What are, when they say, "Hey, do this"? What is going on? What are you doing to say how, if you qualify or not? Yeah, so if they've got a property in mind, that's where you know that's that's where I kind of come in. I do the I'm the numbers guy. So okay. um, take a look at you know the the property's financials. So each property is going to have you know separate financials. The first is going to be the rent roll, or you know that's where we look at the income, the gross income. Um, is there parking? Is there laundry? Is there other stuff that we can kind of count for qualifying? Uh, once we figure that out, we look at historical expenses. Uh, then we also look at what the new tax rate will be and factor that into expenses. So just because, you know, the property is... So quick question for you. Um, income expenses, how, where are you getting that information from? Uh, that's typically from the marketing package. Okay. Um, if they're looking to, you know, purchase a property, it's probably listed. There's probably a marketing package. Marketing package is put together based off of, you know, actuals at do you, the property. Do you trust those marketing packages? Do you think those are accurate? So if I'm a buyer, right, I don't, I've never done this... <laughs> Or is that really? And I send this over. Should I really go off that, or is or is, are you guys going to verify, or how does that work? We we will verify it. Uh, most of the time, those are fairly accurate uh, okay. because it's a representation of the property. Uh, but fairly. But we, accurate we also is... we also look at that compared to what market expenses are. Um, so the you know property may have almost no repairs for the past three years because tenants don't move. We still factor in a certain dollar amount per unit for so regardless that are you're going to hit them that are going to be hit for qualifying. That, that property could have been self managed. It and doesn't we, matter. We add a management them. fee in there. Okay, cool. Um, so one of the things we do is like banks look at the property as if if worst case 
scenario and I have to take this property back, what kind of expenses am I going to operate it at? Banks aren't landlords. They're going to have somebody yeah. else manage it until it gets sold off their books. So uh, we we have a good idea of what those market expenses are. We add that in there. You know, you take your income minus your expenses. You get your NOI or your net operating income. Um, that and then whatever debt coverage ratio the property needs to qualify for and the qualifying rate determines the loan amount. And what is debt coverage ratio? For. What does that stand for? What does that mean? Like in, in so in debt coverage terms? ratio, uh, typically it's like one point one five, one point two percent for purchases. And that means that you know if if I have twelve hundred dollars, it qualifies for a thousand dollars of payment. Okay. So one point two to one. Okay, so it's that simple. Okay. So pretty, pretty simple. So you're gonna take. I've got a ten unit. You're gonna take all the rents, all the put rents them together, and then that's how you're gonna come up with that. Yes. Okay. Cool. So that's that's where we come up with the NOI. Um, NOI. You know, divided by the debt coverage ratio, and then we back in the qualifying rate. So you know, your start rate may be four percent, or your loan may be get you four know, percent, but we qualify it at four and a half or or four point seven five. Just a, it's another little buffer in there for you know anything that may happen. Um, and with that, that determines the the loan that you're able to get. So okay. so you your know, NOI divided by your debt coverage ratio essentially equates to the monthly mortgage payment that the property can support. So from there, then you back in, okay, it's a 30-year loan and it's a 4.7 qual rate or four and a half. Uh, then what's that loan amount? And so you guys have, do you guys have videos on your, right now on the YouTube channel that talks about cap rate and stuff like this? We do. Okay, yes. so they can go there. Yes. On the YouTube. It's on the tube. On the tube. Um, okay, so at this point, you don't necessarily need any docu- documentation from me to size the property, or would you? Um, other would than you, the the marketing package, and if you have the property's financials, so rent rolls and you know. So you would like verify for sure. I mean, for me personally, I like to verify, and I'll always ask for it. We can kind of upfront do this, but I we always preface it with like we need actuals because. Even though so you don't need my tax returns, you don't need anything like that. We don't need tax returns. Not not just size alone. We usually do request a personal financial statement and a real estate schedule because we do want to get the strength of the borrower. So, quick question um, for those of people that don't know. What the hell is a personal financial statement? Because we just, we know what it is, but it can, a lot of people don't know what it is. It can be the equivalent of a loan application, but you know, basically, it's a statement that shows your assets and your liabilities. And then, if you have real estate, you would have a real estate schedule, which just breaks down the real estate that you own, like the market value, the debt you have on it, the income, the expenses, and you're either you know it's either a liability for you or you're you're actually making income off of it. Okay. So that's what we look at initially, just to kind of make sure. I mean. If, if you're just buying your first apartment building, it's not that you can't buy it, but we want to know these things up front because some lenders might be a little bit more conservative if you don't have experience. They may require you to get professional management if you don't have experience. So okay. these are the kinds of things that we want to be able to guide you on up front so that we can manage your expectations. So if I'm a buyer and I'm new to this, what, what type of questions should I be asking to a lender? So if you're a buyer, what kind of questions are you asking a lender? Um, I would be getting just just the kind of basic details like what's your max LTV, what's your debt coverage ratio, your rates, prepayment penalty. I think that's that's really the biggest thing. Real quick, prepayment penalty, can you go over that? Because if somebody doesn't know what it is, what exactly is that? How does that work? A prepayment penalty is a penalty you would pay in the event that you pay off the loan, which would include – 
refinancing or selling the property. So, um, and usually what's typical, especially if we're talking like somebody who's getting into the business 101, you know, typical is a step down prepay. So for example, if you get a five-year fixed, you might have a five-year prepay. So year one could be 5%. That would be 5% of the balance at the time of payoff. Year two would be 4%. So So if you have a million dollar loan, you could pay $50,000 fee. You could. Okay. So that's why when you, one of the, what you're saying is one of the important questions to ask a lender is because different, and my understanding is different lenders have different prepays, right? Yes. They do. So not yeah. one size fits all. So that's why if you go talk to a bank and you're like, oh, I'm going to go with this bank and you're new, you might not understand that, hey, you could have got that five year term instead of a five, four, three, two, one prepay. You could have got a three, two, one or, or a one or whatever. So this is why I'm just addressing this is why when you talk to somebody, if you talk to one, one lender, one bank, that might be their product. But that's that's not even close what could be out there. So that's why having a broker, even if you talk to a broker, this is why they're going to have 20 options. Yeah, and we're going to lay out all the terms. So sometimes, I mean, you may want to, you may be inclined to go with the best rate, but it's not always about rate. It's There are other terms. For example, some lenders will allow you to pay off up to 20% of the loan balance on an annual basis without okay. incurring a prepay. So if your goal is to pay off your property. You could, you know, go with a program that allows you to pay twenty percent a year without incurring a prepay. So, or you could go with a lender who maybe has a little bit of a shorter prepay because, I mean, look, you're buying an apartment building. It's it's an investment. So that invest that could be a vehicle for you to purchase other real estate or for you to grow your portfolio or maybe you're going to sell it and trade up to another property. So these are the things you need to be thinking about. This is not your home, even though people don't, you know, just buy a home and keep a loan for thirty years. It's like rare that anybody ever yeah, does that five to seven years right so yeah. most people are refining every five to seven years i would say that that's also true for apartments except for i would say that people are refining every three to five years especially lately usually because you want to full cash out yep. so you can go buy more property or so you can fix up the property or you want to sell so you can go buy a bigger property you know there's like a lot of reasons why you would utilize your investment to so quick so cash. you talked about know what their max loan to values are which is loan know to value. Know what the max LTV is. is. Um, the get the D- rate, the obviously, D- you're going to have. The rates. The, the DCR, the rates, um, the prepays. And then there's one thing I just thought about, um, and Mitch, we always – I don't think people realize this. If you're buying a million-dollar property and you put 30% down, that's a $700,000 loan, there's some lenders that are under – like under – a million and even under 500,000 where they're like just you might think you're calling them like oh this is a good lender they're like they're not the place to yeah, go yeah there's certain certain lenders that like it, anything below their their sweet spot or their threshold they they price it up they they why don't do they, like why, those. Do, why do they price it up it's you know the every loan costs the bank about the same amount to do and the lower the loan amount, the, the lower honest, the return. Right? So they, they want bigger deals because so they're, they're paying the underwriter. Off. They're paying the processor. They're paying the servicer. They're, so they're, there's a certain fee associated with the So if they're doing the a $300,000 loan, it's the, same, it's the same work as $3 million. So, so, so they're like, going to better okay. return on $3 million. Fact, So they, they price it up to make that difference or they just – you know, won't even look at those. A lot of times sometimes. I would say even a $300,000 loan could be more work than a $3 million loan because you're probably dealing with a person, unfortunately, who can only afford a $300,000 loan. So their income is tighter. They're not looking as strong financially. The property so could, could be, be in a, in a, yeah. in a tougher exactly. area. Yeah. Okay, cool. So. The other thing is, is um, talking about that is just because you go to your bank 
they could be I don't know if the words prejudiced to certain areas. Some banks are like we don't we don't that's not our footprint. That's so yeah, they they're, consider they're, business loans, so they can certainly say like we don't like this area. We don't like this. Is not RESPA. Yeah, we we call there's it no red line. We call it cherry picking. Like, some yeah. some they, lenders and, they and, they will and, cherry and pick certain to, areas. They're to do that. They have the right. They, to do they that. are. Yeah, okay. they they can determine mark the, where they have a footprint or what market they are in. So there's certain areas that they don't have a footprint and they you know won't lend in those areas. Um, and I think this kind of goes into the next question, which is <clears throat> people might not know what their fears or frustrations are because they haven't gone through the process. But I think just us talking about a few of those is I'm going to bring some up. If I was like, if I'm a buyer and I've never bought a multifamily property, let alone from who's going to manage it to how do you collect the rent to bank account, all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That you have to learn. And maybe you have a management company, they'll take care of that off of you. And that's another podcast but getting a loan when we deal with people that don't know anything i think just knowing that is some of your fears should be and we can address these is does this lender lend in this area do they do these type of loan amounts you know does is this going to qualify does the banker behind there know what the hell he's doing is he really going to guide me to the right direction you know so what do you guys think if a, if you're if from a buyer side right if i'm buying a property and you guys have been doing this forever what are two, three, five, whatever it is, what are the fears or, or frustrating points that you guys see a lot of people have that we can talk about to maybe mitigate or help people understand that, you know, this is what it is. And I know well, sometimes people call you up, they're like, that's ridiculous. They want the fiber not alone. Why can't they just give me the same rate? And you're just like, you try to explain it to them and they don't know. You're like, it's it just, just yeah. sorry. It's just the reality of it. You well, know? Yes. also too, I feel like we should run through one thing before we talk about the frustrations sure. that we didn't get to, which is, like the process of getting a loan is so different. Like, and what I mean, well, you we're, guys that's coming is, up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you're jumping ahead. Okay, fine. Yeah. yeah so, well, I think I think uh, you know first the the fears that you mentioned, like, will they lend in this area, and like, For you know, sure. what, how does it qualify? All that stuff, like, that's addressed up front in you know getting your letter of interest. So, you know, mo- those fears are are taken care of pretty quickly. Um, you know, one of the fears is, and, and I guess most frustrating parts is, you know, with residential lending, you're used to, hey, we ordered the appraisal, it's back in three days, and you know, not, I know the out. value done. With commercial, you're looking at like three weeks, and that's you know after you get the LOI. Can you, so question after on that, you, can you, you pay know, for like a, a rush? You you can. Um, it's not that much faster you, though. And maybe yeah, maybe you get it in two weeks or two and a half weeks. So you know, there's there's certain a, times where a, it makes sense. This is a different but, game. You've got to be more patient. So frustrations are used to go losing in 30 days. Yeah, it's a 45 to 60 day process in most cases. And there, there, there are some cases where we're able to expedite that. Then you just close um, the we deal were able in 21 rush. days or something, you guys? Yeah, yeah. We closed the deal in 21 days. Um, the and buyer came. Yeah, they, they but, came but that's in because very prepared you guys, with all their paperwork. But that is because people We, we set the expectations exactly. with what we needed with the lender. So there are, you know, there are instances, but – by and large, it's a you know forty-five to sixty-day process, okay. and you'll see that when you go into contract. If you're you know you're writing an offer on a property, your broker is probably going to put a sixty-day time frame on there. You know if the seller counters back to thirty days, we can make it work, but it's everything's going to need to fall right. Um, so that's that's one of the things. It's it's a frustration that it does take a little bit longer. You don't you know you'll be three weeks into the process and not know if the property value is out. So that's well, so that's a, that's well, a fear. That's that a frustration. Three weeks, you're three yeah. weeks into the process, and you're not. You think you can get the loan amount that we got on the LOI, but if that appraisal comes back with a little bit higher expenses, it's going to get adjusted 
So it's like, this is different. It, like I said, you're not, when you go to a, get a residential loan, it's not like your purchase price is a million dollars and you're going to put 25% down. So you're getting a $750,000 loan amount. The only thing that could your go wrong. Your income qualifies on it. You're good to go. The only thing that could go wrong is that the value doesn't come in. Are you, For yeah. us, the, what could go wrong, the value doesn't come in. The expenses are higher. The appraiser thinks your market rents are, you know, a little lower or something. Like there's, there's like basically we're looking at income and expenses. Let me, let me ask you one thing about the appraisal. So the other thing in a residential, right, that could be a problem is they go out, they appraise the property, and you come back, and there's, there's mold, there's a hole in the wall, there's a leak in the roof, which obviously it's like the appraiser says, well, you can buy the house, but this, this crap's yeah, got to get stuff fixed. Needs to get done. So for you guys, if the appraiser goes out, is he looking at all this stuff? Could he note that there's this problem? And they, could that be a problem? Oh, yeah. Well, like, what can that cause? Because that, to me, that's a huge fear. That so could be a problem. There's a couple things that can happen if he if he notes significant deferred maintenance. So the there's there's really three things that you know deferred maintenance will either be health and safety items or um, just something that needs to be addressed that's going to possibly affect value. Okay. So if it's a health and safety item, it's going to have to be repaired prior to closing. Okay. You can't you can't have you know a tenant occupied property with health and safety issues it's just it's red flags everywhere um if it's you know something that maybe affects value or you know, there's it's it's you know going to cause problems later on down the road the lender may say hey we'll go ahead and give you the loan but we're going to hold back you know x amount of dollars um to, until this is fixed so say hey the roof's pretty close to the end of its life it's not leaking yet but it looks like it's going to so it's going to be $20,000 to fix it. They'll hold back like 110% of that amount until it's fixed, and then they'll release that money back out. So you, you get your money back, but you may have to come into – That could be frustrating. Come, in with, you come in with more money That's up front. That's frustrating because you didn't plan Until you get it so done. Example, so example, let's just use an example. I'm buying a property for a million dollars. You guys say this qualifies for a $700,000 loan. The appraiser goes out there and finds $50,000 worth of damage or work that needs to be done. The lender comes back and says, hey – we're going to give you the $700,000 loan, but unfortunately, as of right now, we're only going to give you six fifty, and we're going to hold fifty until so that these means repairs are, yeah. you need to come in with additional with additional fifty thousand. Yeah, then whatever. you have to do the repairs, pay for those repairs, and then show get them reimbursed. the invoices that they're done with pictures of completion. Then they'll give you the money. And back. then you guys been through this, and you're so, paying interest on the seven hundred thousand, not the six fifty. Okay, cool. So you've been through that. Is that a is that something that will get done? Is that like is this like oh I'm never gonna get my money back or is this like you yeah, do the work or get it back? It's in a, yeah, it's, it's an escrow so if you can get the work done in yeah. thirty days, you can get the money back, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty easy process you, to get it back. It's does it, the bank know. take pictures? They got to inspect it. How's that work? Uh, depending on the nature of the repairs, if it's if it's something like you know termite work, they'll take an invoice from the termite company certifying the work's done, release the funds back to you. But usually the banker goes out. Will you know, if it's or no? uh, de- depending on location, yeah. I mean sometimes they sometimes they we'll will to make yeah we'll take pictures and send them if the banker's in the area they'll do it just to we've got a good relationship with our lenders so sometimes they'll go out if they're in the if they're closer than we are they'll go out take a look at it so they can authorize the bank to release funds so. Um, you know, having the relationships with them helps expedite the process as well. Okay, so let's do a couple. Let's let's do a couple rapid fire questions before we get to walking through the process of a loan. Um, you guys can answer. So, Crystal, um, do I need experience to qualify 
And if I don't have the experience as a you know a seasoned apartment owner or somebody, am I going to get hammered on rate and fee? I'm a rate fee in LTV. You don't need experience to qualify, but most lenders will probably require that you get professional property management. Okay, usually for about twelve months, okay. at least mm-hmm. until you have experience. Mitch, in I know you've answered this, but what is the typical timing we're looking on closing a loan here? Forty-five to sixty days. Would that be the same for refinancing? Yes. Okay. Um, Crystal, what are the typical costs? What are the costs? You know, like basically you don't have to give me a number, but what are the, what, what's the stuff they're going to be paying so, for? So that's not really a rapid fire, but I'll tell you. <laughs> um, so I'll, you have to pay for your appraisal. Appraisals are more expensive. Some lenders have it where they pay for it, but generally speaking, an appraisal is about 2500 bucks. Uh, for apartments. And then up if the building's bigger, right? Go And, and up, yeah. Okay. If the building's bigger. If but it's like, a hundred unit building, it's not going to be 2,500 ducks. No, it's going to be, it's not going to be ducks. It'll be bucks. But um, <laughs> it'll be, <laughs> it'll be uh, like 2,500 is kind of the starting okay. price That's for it. an appraiser. Um, so then you have underwriting and processing. A lot of lenders have like kind of standard like 12 and a half basis points or something like that okay. for processing. Um, there are a couple lenders that have like a $5,000 flat fee. Um, but you've got your escrow title and then points. So it's really pretty standard for an apartment loan to pay a point to your broker. Um, sometimes, like I said, we get rebate and we'll pass that savings along to our client if the bank's going to pay us partially. Okay. But so a point, um, appraisal is more expensive, underwriting processing. So, I mean, all in all, your your loan could be like as a rule of thumb, almost like two points, one point to the broker, one point for... Uh, Depending on the loan size, and then um, yeah, know, I mean if it's a five million, one, one and a quarter yeah. to two two percent, yeah. just depending on the loan size. So obviously. the other thing is, is just to address real quick, when it comes to cost, I know when you do commercial, which people aren't used to. If I do residential, it's like okay, I got to pay for the appraisal up front, which is let's say five hundred bucks. But with you guys, I got to sometimes get a deposit of thirty five hundred dollars, five thousand dollars, whatever it is, depending on the deal, it could be bigger, right? Yeah, so that's the that's yeah. the good faith deposit, and that um, I guess kind of ties into the loan process, so. Um, you'll get a letter of interest. It outlines all of the terms, what the loan, you know, so what you the lender's the lo- qualifying so, up front. So we, I get an escrow on a property. Right? Let's just go this. I get an escrow on a property. Yeah. Um, you already have all my paperwork. We've already sized this deal. You got my W two tax. What all the stuff you need, right? We prepared a financing quote for you too. Once we size it, we're like, okay, we've already had conversations with our lenders at this point. Like these are the couple of programs or options that you have. Okay. We'll go through those. You pick an option. So okay. once you do that, then we I go, want the seven-year arm, seven-year yeah. fix. So then we go to our lender. We get what what we call a letter of interest, which is basically like, yes, we want to do this loan pending third-party reports or something crazy that we don't know about. Okay. Yeah. So that letter of interest basically outlines those terms. You want to move forward. You sign that. You give what we call a good-faith deposit. Okay. That deposit will allow us to order the appraisal and start like processing the file. Is that refundable? Yeah. It's, it's credited towards your closing cost. Credited towards not- closing cost. If if the lender denies the file or or something comes up, uh, you back you out of it. it yeah. yeah, you cancel um, before you know it gets to the full full process. Any funds not used will be credited okay, back. Cool. So, you know, say you give thirty five hundred dollars and they haven't ordered the appraisal yet, but they've pulled credit and ordered flood and whatever. So you'll get that minus their seventy five dollars charge okay, cool. or, or something like that. So you so basically the letter of interest comes back. You guys submit the file, letter of interest comes back and says, we want to do this loan. We need X, Y, Z. And then, Mitch, what happens from there? Uh, from there, well, there's there's a couple things that I, you, you can rate lock too. So that you'll have a this rate. This is the time where I'd rate lock once the LOI comes back. Right? Once the LOI okay. comes back, then, then we're, we're able the to rate lock or, or any another through cost. the process. So no, it's, it's a uh, So, yeah, the, the rate lock is for 
standard lenders, it's a 1% of the loan amount, and that's credited towards closing costs. Okay. That's a deposit. Uh, it's a deposit. It's a rate-lock deposit. Not and a fee. Deposit. Not a, not a fee, but yeah. So for a million-dollar loan, you're writing a $10,000 check before you have an approval. Sometimes people get a little scared of that, but you know, are you going to be more scared if the rate goes up and you're not locked and now you so don't qualify So percentage-wise, how many much? people lock in? I'd say like seventy percent of the people lock Some people in. Just um, well, it, it depends, it depends on, the on the market we're in too. Yeah. Like if we think rates are going up, of course, like we even recommend that you rate lock. But if we think rates are going down, then we kind of play the market a little bit. And you know, some clients want to take a little more risk with that than others. So the the deposit, though, we should say is that um, it's credited back to you at closing if the lender doesn't perform. Like let's say they said we're going to give you a million dollar loan, but now we can only give They'll you nine hundred. They, and you say, like, then I can't buy the property because I don't have that money. They'll give you back that rate lock deposit. But if, if you, you cancel, cancel, if you cancel for whatever reason, you are screwed. It becomes a fee. It becomes a fee. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, they've they've allocated those funds um, from their you know from their lending amount for that loan. So, okay, so I rate lock. I give you my one percent. Now keep keep me going down the road here. Yeah, so so next is we're going to gather any information that we're missing. This is where you know we'll tax get the returns, tax returns, bank the bank statements, statements driver's license, um, copy of your your entity docs. So if you're going to close in an LLC, we'll need the operating agreement, the okay. statement of information. If you're closing it's going to be trust, in a trust. We need a copy trust. of the trust agreement. Okay. Uh, so we'll, this is where we're in the the gathering if stage. They need a man, if they're requiring you to get a property management company, we got to go get. Contract. Uh, contract. Yeah, we'll get okay. the contract, and that doesn't necessarily need to be done like up front. That's that's something we'll. You're going to we'll, need to copy the insurance, know, though, right? Not necessarily okay. up front because there's okay. not insurance in place for a purchase. Okay, cool. So okay. for for purchase, we're you know we'll need a we'll get a quote. Okay. Um, but up front, we'll be gathering the documents, uh, preparing the loan application package. So it's going to be you know the lender's loan application, uh, transposing all the information onto the lender's forms, uh, so it makes it nice and pretty for them to review. Uh, you'll sign that package. We'll submit it in, and the underwriting process will start. They'll go through. They'll do processing. They'll review anything that we're missing so we can gather all the documents. And meanwhile, in the background, this three-week appraisal is going, uh, going along. So when the appraisal comes back, our our job is to make sure that we have everything the lender needs for a full review once that appraisal is back. So appraisal is back. How long are we talking Usually three weeks. Within, within three two weeks. weeks okay. Closing. Now, once the appraisal's back, you can close within two or three weeks. Oh, once the appraisal's back, yeah. Then it goes into final underwriting. That's usually you so. Know, if three the appraisal to four comes back process. clean. You look good. Is there is there any alarms or any things you'd have to be concerned about where you start could run into problems? Well, aside from like some sort of repairs at the appraiser notes or expenses. And we kind of. So this is the thing, though. Like because we've done this for so long, if we see a property up front. We're already – first off, we drive most of our properties before we even go give a letter of interest or a okay. financing quote. So we're like, hey, uh, if this is X, Y, and Z, like you might want to take care of this. Because for us, we know that if, you're, if you've got problems with your property up front, they're going to start nitpicking. So you, the last thing you want is an appraiser nitpicking because you could have – maybe done something you know a couple of small repairs that would have kept them from going like mm, this is wrong what else is wrong yeah like the so appraiser's walking in and the gate falls off when he's walking in just it's just it's like, it's like fix that before it goes like it's, it's first impression they matters they're gonna say what's else yeah first, first impressions gonna, matter yeah, on the appraisal and we like and there advise is a, you there, on this there, stuff I mean there, and there is a video or something on appraisals we have in the YouTube channel I think hashtag Hell, I don't know. Promotion YouTube but channel. Check it out. Simply short. If not, Mitch will send one to you. 
in your when you work yeah. with this fabulous team, Mitch will post. send one to you. No, yeah. that's one of the emails that go out. Oh, yeah. there you go. See? But yeah, so anyway, when you're in the process, it does. So that's one of the things that will guide you for that. I think my, the, I think the biggest concern that I see for somebody is again, this is not a residential loan. So if the appraiser comes back with higher expenses because that happens sometimes, they may have to adjust the loan amount. So this is the thing for for buyers. You're used to being like, I need my loan approval in order to remove loan contingencies. Doesn't work like that. Well, yeah, you're not going to get your approval which is for us a commitment letter until after the appraisal's back, after it's gone through final underwriting, and then you close like a week later. But, but are you typically removing contingencies before that? Sometimes. Depends on what's written in your so, contract. So, so experienced. I will tell you that for in a competitive market, absolutely. Okay, like so, for so us, if you're experienced. We do it. We do it. We'll say I'll we'll drop it, it because I feel good. Like so, I know that I, I know. So if you're new to buying apartments, please listen to what we just said because this is important. This is not residential. You're, this is like the big boy leagues, if that's what you want to say. If you're in a competitive market and you want to get deals and you're going to go back and say, I'm not going to remove contingencies until I get to commitment, you probably will never get any good deals. I'm just telling you right now. Like we literally will remove contingencies sometimes, inspections, stuff like that in seven days. Why do we do that? Because we have experience and we know what we're doing. And also it gives us a competitive advantage but over this other is, offers. But this, is, this, so. is, this, is, this is, comes back to when we finalize the deals. This is why we're talking is so important that who you work with, that's why brokers that have been doing this a long time, that not honestly know what they're doing, have done a billion dollars in deals and also own properties and actually bought in properties and been through this many, many times themselves. This experience gives you confidence as a new buyer, right? To make sure you can close this deal. So Mitch, now that we've got our appraisal back, everything looks good. We're going to close. What's the last week or two look like? Uh, so last week we'll get the commitment letter, review everything, um, see if there's anything that's needed prior to docs or prior to funding, start knocking those conditions off. So we're ready for closing. Um, as soon as that commitment letter is signed, the lender starts drawing the loan docs. Loan docs are usually ready in a couple days. We'll get those signed back. The lender reviews them and they're ready to fund. So, you know, as soon as your funds, your closing funds are into escrow, the lender sends their closing funds to escrow. You close, record, and you're the proud owner of a new apartment building. And somebody's <laughs> going to show up with a bunch of keys. Yeah, yeah now the real And hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully your property manager's there to and take then, those keys. And, you know, we'll do another show soon on once you get those keys of what, what to expect. Because guess what? This loan is a piece of cake to what's coming up next. But don't be scared because once you do one. You make it sound so daunting. No, it's oh, not. No, <laughs> but if it's new, it's new. Yeah. If You're trying to scare everybody? No, of course not. Um, a lot of people in apartment. Okay, so – Last couple of questions here. What? How do I know I'm getting a good deal? Number one, and then the other question is: is should I be talking to multiple different people or lenders? And I know nobody ever wants to talk about this, but we are going to talk about it. Is like, what if I call you? I feel comfortable. Should I go shop you ten different times? Am I going to get the best rate deal? How do I know this? So, I mean, for us, our a lot of our business is based on referrals. So they're people that were referred by people we know really well or they're clients that we've already done a lot of financing for. So sometimes we get shopped and I always, I mean, I encourage it, but a lot of times, you know, people won't shop us because that's our job. I mean, we're brokers, so I don't work, you know, for one bank. I look at the landscape of all of the lenders that are out there and see where they're at. And it's true. Some lenders, like, with multifamily, it's very common that a lender will be like, you know, we have a lot of loans right now. We're going to push up the pricing and just kind of like slow down the pipeline a bit. 
And then other lenders are like, hey, we need a lot of loans, so we're going to drop our margins. We're going to get a bunch of business in. And, and they do this. They go back and forth. So it's our job to be constantly in communication with these different lenders and know what they're doing, what new programs are coming out with, who's the most competitive. For, and also, who's the most competitive for this property type in right. this area? Because not everybody is. Well, exactly. and, and your goals location. for the property, too. Yeah. So we, we take you know we take into account what what your goals are. Are you, are you looking to buy this property and you know that if you raise rents, it's going to be worth more and you can get some cash back out of it? Uh, we'll put Why you in something with prepay or yeah, maybe, maybe you go with a little bit higher rate for a shorter prepay. Um, so there, there's a lot of things to consider. So I guess all in all, like, yeah, look, look around, see what's out there. Do a couple Google searches. There's nothing wrong with that, but come talk to us. We'll take care of you. Is there, is there a, di- is there going to be a difference in a rate and term and all that? If I'm doing a purchase or refinance cash out, whatever, is there cash out hits like this? No. Like this? Uh, no, tip, typically yeah. there's not. There there may be for some smaller amounts, but if you have a loan amount like under fifty percent, like um, residential, could it be a little bit better pricing? Could get a little better yeah, yeah. So okay. lower lower LTVs. There's some rate concessions. Um, higher loan amounts. There's some rate concessions, uh, th- but they're not really different for purchase or refinance or so, cash out. Question for both of you. So hopefully you don't. But give that me the is same something answer. important to note. Is that some lenders have a minimum. Loan amount. So some might be a minimum five hundred, minimum seven fifty, minimum a million. One of our lenders is minimum two million right now. So again, you kind of need to know which lenders are allowing smaller deals, bigger deals, and things like that. So, so both of you guys answer this. Hopefully, you have different um, answers to the question. Crystal, what are the three most important things to a consumer, anybody, when they're getting multifamily financing? Uh, there's three. I don't care if there's five. I want three. Well, to you. Okay, three for me would be the prepay. Okay, I think that's super important because if uh, if you're looking to grow like we're we're trying to grow, you want to know what your prepay might be in case you sell or refi or do whatever you're yep. gonna do. Um, the uh, interest only. We didn't talk about that. I'm always looking for interest only. I think to maximize know, cash flow. Yeah, I want to maximize yep. the cash flow. Um, so that's another thing. And then um, I guess. Your interest rate is important. Third, okay. I mean, for me, I'm going to look for. I've got to have the prepay, the combination of the prepay and the interest only, and then the next thing I want is the most competitive rate. Mitch, can you give me three other ones outside of that could could be important? No, no, that's the three I was going to say. Um, well, I guess the cost, you know, your total cost in. Um, I think that's important. You know, some some lenders are going to be a little bit pricier, so that's one thing to consider. Um, Come on, screw some more together. The qualifying rate and the you know debt debt coverage. Debt coverage. So okay. those are you know yeah. th- that'll affect your loan amount. So that those those also you know if you're going in, you want to put the minimal down. That's another thing to kind of consider. If you've got a higher qualifying rate or a higher debt coverage, you're going to get less loan dollars. So that's another thing to look out for. So my understanding to wrap all this up is when you're shopping for an apartment loan, a multifamily loan. The most important things are is when you go to a lender, they should understand what are your goals in the property, what are you looking to do short-term, long-term, and based on those, and if you're experienced, you already know, you've been down this game, but if you're new, based on somebody asking you those questions and understanding you, that should really back into what type of loan you do, what type of prepay you have, what type of interest rate you have, and things like that, because you might decide to do, I don't want to prepay, because I'm going to turn around and sell this in two years or cash out in a year because I'm putting all this money in, and I might have to go somewhere with interest rates a little bit higher. 
but I'm not going to pay a 2%, 5% prepay. So basically what I'm understanding is whoever you're going to work with, whoever you're going to go to, if hopefully they have experience, they understand the process, and they're not just throwing you into some loan just to make a quick buck because this could really – no, because it's true – and not understand you because this could really screw you in the short term if you go to sell or whatever. And I don't think it's like somebody doesn't understand. I think for us, like we're not transactional. We're relationship oriented. So for me, like I want nothing more than every person in the world that I come in contact with to own apartments. Like I just think it's the right way to go. I think it's the best way to build wealth. I think it's really like your retirement plan like i I think that's the best retirement plan so for me we're always and mitch we're always looking at your portfolio as a whole or your goals as a whole like how can we help you to move along in the process or what if you're not getting to the loan amount you need how can we help you to strategize to get where you need to be you know we're looking at the whole picture and this as a relationship rather than a transaction um, which is a lot different than what a bank is looking at. Banks are transactional. Like you don't go to to the bank anymore and have your like relationship banker Joe or Bob Bye. that you say <laughs> hi to yeah. at, like every day, and they're gonna like give you a good deal because you have this relationship with the manager. No, that banks have a box. You either fit in it or you don't. They want you to do all your paperwork. They want you to like they're basically just passing things along. Yeah, they've they're got a not, limited a limited a product strategic. availability. So you need to to grow your portfolio. You need to be strategic. So you need somebody who can help see your vision and help you to execute on it. Cool. So my takeaway, the last thing, thanks guys, check them out, Pacific Shore Capital, Crystal and Mitch. But one of the things that reminded me today that's really important is when you use a mortgage broker the re- one of the huge advantages is because the bank you could go to they could be inundated with loans they could have pushed they could have changed guidelines they could have pushed up their dcr they could have um raised interest rates because they're busy there could have been all these things and you didn't know that the bank next door that you didn't even bother checking with didn't do any of those they have a better rate better term better prepay and put, you could have put you in a better spot and so that's one of the things, this is why I believe, and I know you guys do, not just we're mortgage makers, but when we even go look for our own loans, even though we know every banker in town, we're not going to go, hey, Bob, we're going to go to you because we're best friends. No, we're going to Bob because he has the best deal. So we would go, I'm going to go to you guys because you're going to go to all the Bobs out there and you're going to find me the best deal. And that's... Yeah, we we do this we do this all day, every day. So we know what, you know, what the lenders are offering. We we're in tune with the market and you know our relationships they'll let us know if something's changing or something's coming up so we're able to you know place Without people in the best place deals with them so we know you know it's like yeah we know what people are offering so so thanks everybody for tuning in and we will continue um this series talking about commercial loans and then we'll also dive into obviously like you said once we close and stuff like that so hopefully this brings value to you thank you thanks thank guys thank you thanks This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.